wrestling fans. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there. Kane was there, too. Yeah. No enhancement needed. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio here today from May 11th, 2017. Graham G.S. Matthews here flying solo for the first time in a while right here on WrestleRant Radio. Unfortunately, Tommy Sharp, my regular co-host here on the show, uh, couldn't make it due to a contractual obligations here at Endicott College. He will be back next week for one final show here at Endicott College. We might do a one-off at some point down the line. You know how those, you know, retirement works. Usually we, 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 we say we're done. We come coming back for more later on down the line. But uh, final show here today before next week, the big mega show. Uh, Tom and I agreed that next week will be a big mega show, previewing Backlash, talking about Raw, talking about SmackDown Live, all that good stuff. So before we get to that mega show next week, only mere days ahead of the Backlash pay-per-view, which I'm really looking forward to, and NXT TakeOver uh, what is it going to be? Chicago on May 20th, graduation day two. So I think I'll be watching that live. I'm not exactly sure. I guess we'll kind of find out as time, you know, only time will tell. Only, uh, I guess we'll find out next week. Um, but that being said, in coming here to you live, you know, solo for WrestleRant Radio today, I'll just be talking about Raw, SmackDown, NXT, probably doing a few, uh, a few brief recaps of those respective shows, and probably uh, previewing tomorrow night's Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, War of the Worlds pay-per-view. I just wrote a whole prediction piece for Next Era Wrestling earlier today. I'll talk about my predictions for that show coming up. Um, but before I get to that, just a few cheap plugs. You guys can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRant. On the Facebook as well at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. On YouTube, we're quickly approaching 1,200 subscribers. I appreciate your support. Subscribe now at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And uh, new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio every single Thursday right here on NextAirWrestling.net. Don't miss out again on the big mega show next week with Tommy Sharp. Speaking of whom, on the aforementioned YouTube channel, um, he was not able to join me here today, but on the bright side, we did talk all things Raw, SmackDown, WWE, so on and so forth. Last night on Hashtag AskGSM, the episode went up a bit later than usual due to technical difficulties on my end. Um, but we had a great one-hour conversation. Now, the cool thing about that is that in the near three-year history of Hashtag AskGSM, I've had on only three other guests other than Tom. We've had pretty much the five horsemen, so to speak. We've had John, then it was RJ, then we had Jason last summer, and now Tom joining us for the first time ever on the show yesterday. It was an awesome time. I had some great feedback on the show from you guys, so check it out again at YouTube.com uh, backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews for a full one-hour Q&A of all your awesome questions and our awesome answers. So that being said, guys, again, before we get into all the WWE stuff, I'll talk about probably my takeover predictions, too. I don't know if we're going to have time next week to talk about that um, since we will be previewing Backlash for next Sunday. Um, but like I said earlier, just literally got finished writing an article for my website, this very website, nextairwrestling.net, talking all things Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, War of the Worlds, tomorrow night, May 12th, 
Um, hoping to watch it live. I'm heading home tomorrow night, or rather tonight for tomorrow for a couple of festivities over Mother's Day weekend. Speaking of which, I hope you guys have a great Mother's Day. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to watch the show live. I have been able to watch the last couple of Ring of Honor pay-per-views as they air, and they're always great. The 15th anniversary show, which I talked about briefly last week, or rather a couple of months ago for their last pay-per-view, uh, we interviewed Ring of Honor world champion Christopher Daniels for that show. That was on the, I think, the St. Patrick's Day show, or the day before St. Patrick's Day, March 16th. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, go back in the archives of WrestleRant Radio. Check out my exclusive interview with Christopher Daniels talking all things Ring of Honor. But yeah, like I said, tomorrow night, um, as I record this anyway, May 12th, is the War of the Worlds pay-per-view. I don't know if it was the first Ring of Honor show I ever watched. That might have been Global Wars, I think it was called. Two very similar shows, both featuring talent from Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, but it was around this time three years ago, coincidentally enough, right after my freshman year of college got over, and I'm almost done with college altogether. Um, I got into Ring of Honor. I've been hooked ever since. I had a brief hiatus, so to speak, from 2014 to 2015, but getting back into it now, um, the product is as good now as, as it has ever really been, in my opinion. But yeah, this War of the Worlds pay-per-view, looking up and down the card, it's a pretty stacked show. Um, like I said, my full predictions are up right now on NextAirWrestling.net for my full in-depth analysis and preview and predictions for the show. We'll go through it quickly here, the card, for those unfamiliar. Uh, kicking off the show, which I think should kick off the show, a four-corner survival match between Kushida, Dalton Castle, Silas Young, and Bobby Fish. Really a meaningless match. There's nothing on the line here from what I understand. Not a future Ring of Honor World Television Championship match, which is usually the case. Not in this matchup anyway. Kind of just four random guys just to get them on the card. They should be really doing more with all four of these guys. Kushida's, you know, NJPW bound. Uh, he's more of an exclusive to New Japan. Uh, but he's still a great talent. Dalton Castle, to me, is one of, if not the most underutilized guy in Ring of Honor. The guy's just an incredible talent. His matches aren't amazing, but... From a talent perspective in terms of performance and stuff like that, the guy can do things I've seen no one else do in Ring of Honor in terms of pulling stuff off with like the boys and the presentation of the character. The guy is awesome. I'm going to say he wins here. Uh, Bobby Fish, from what I understand, is not under a full-time contract to Ring of Honor. I might be wrong there, but I, at the at last word I read a couple of months ago, coming out of the 15th anniversary show, he had wrapped up with Ring of Honor. Um, he had said goodbye, but now he's wrestling on this show. Again, maybe he's just done full-time under contract, and now he's just... Like, I'll talk about Adam Cole a little bit later on, um, but he might be a lot like Adam Cole, that this might be just an appearance for Ring of Honor, but he's not under contract, so I don't expect him to win. If he does, I'd be a little bit surprised. Silas Young, I'm a big fan of, too. Um, they just they have never really done too much of note with him. I don't think he's ever held a championship in Ring of Honor in his many years there, but uh, he could win here. I would not be surprised, but I got Dalton Castle going over. In the next match, we got Jay White and uh, Will Ospreay going at it in one-on-one -on -one action, which would be a very exciting matchup. Again, a match with literally zero storyline significance. A lot of these matches, I didn't know were even on the card until I checked this morning, but it's going to be a great, exciting show nevertheless. But uh, yeah, Jay White, Will Ospreay. The only time I've seen Will... I mean, he's appeared on a few episodes of Ring of Honor TV, but other than that, they really have not been doing too much with him. He was in a great Fatal 4-Way match. One of the best matches, if not the best match from the show... Uh, final battle back in December for the television title. I think it was him, Marty Skrull. No, it was supposed to be a four-way with Bobby Fish, and he had to leave for, I think his mother had passed away or had gotten sick or something, which kind of sucks. So uh, he was taken out of the match, and I think it was also um, one of the other dudes. I forgot what his name was. One of the uh, Lucha Libre guys, I think, from CMML. 
but yeah, that was a great match. Will Ospreay is just a tremendous talent, to say the least, if you um, are familiar with you know what, what he's capable of in the ring. But yeah, this match should be absolutely amazing, so I'm looking forward to it. In terms of who goes over, again, doesn't really matter. There's nothing on the line. I'm going to say Will Ospreay. Jay White's a great talent, too. They were kind of doing something with him for a while in like a mini-feud with Jay Briscoe. It didn't really go anywhere, um, but I do expect this to be a great match. Will Ospreay goes over. The next match I don't think is for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. It might be because War Machine are the current champions. I think they won the belts not too long ago. Um, but it's a triple threat tag team match. Los Ingobernables. I know that's not exactly how you pronounce it, but Los Ingobernables, I think is how you pronounce it, rather. If you say it quickly, you fuck it up. But uh, yeah, that match, that team, rather, Search and Destroy, and then War Machine. So I guess Search and Destroy consists of the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. You got Jonathan Gresham in there. You have Jay White and Leo Rush, another guy who I think is gone from Ring of Honor, but I'm not exactly sure. At last word, I thought he was done, but he might not be, so whatever. But uh, I have no idea when that stable formed. I know they had some sort of alliance a couple of months ago, but other than that, I did not know they were a full-on faction. But anyway, uh, this should be a good match. Again, nothing on the line. The tag titles might be on the line, but from what I read on Wikipedia, which is never to be trusted, obviously, it didn't say the IWGP tag titles were on the line. Uh, but it should be a good match. I have uh, Los and Gobernables going over just because, um, from what I understand, they're a pretty hot tag team over in Japan. So I'd be surprised if they didn't win. The titles aren't on the line. Speaking of tag team action, for the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team titles, you got Bully Ray and the Briscoes taking on Chaos, which is basically, I don't know who the third guy is, but Rapungi Vice and their tag team partner from Chaos. Rapungi Vice are fucking awesome. They're an awesome tag team. They've had great matches on past Ring of Honor pay-per-views. They had a, just a tremendous match, the Hardy Boys and the Young Bucks, the 15th anniversary show back in March. So this should be a really fun match. Again, a match with really no build whatsoever. Um, but just considering the talent involved, it should be a very, very good match. Bully Ray and the Briscoes are a tremendous trio. I've said that before. They have great chemistry together. They won the titles on an episode of Ring of Honor TV from the Kingdom after TKO Ryan got hurt at the 15th anniversary show. So uh, they've really been, you know, taking the ball and running with it with the six-man tag team titles, which really aren't that necessary, I mean, when all is said and done. Um, but in, just in terms of the chemistry they have on paper, they just work really, really well together, so I expect them to go over here. They just won the belts a month or two ago. I'd be shocked if they lost them this soon, but yeah, I've got uh, Bully Ray and the Briscoes going over. And the next match, Frankie Kazarian taking on Hangman Page. At least one of the matches on this card does have some storyline significance. Um, Kazarian was, for a brief time anyway, a part of the Bullet Club after he feigned turning on Christopher Daniels on an episode of Ring of Honor TV. Turned out it was all a ruse, helping Christopher Daniels turn on the Bullet Club and win the ROH World title at the 15th anniversary show. But the thing here with Paige and Kazarian, Paige and Kazarian were both members of a six-man mayhem match at that, at that 15th anniversary show where Paige, and being a fellow member of the Bullet Club, helped Kazarian win and earn that TV title shot. And then Kazarian turned on the Bullet Club later on in the night, so he stole the title shot, which was pretty cool. So that's where, that, that's where this bad blood stems from. It should be a good match. I'm a big fan of Kazarian, but I think Hangman Page is a star on the rise. I never really saw too much in him when he was a member of the, oh God, the Decade, I think was the name of the tag team, or the stable whatever with uh, BJ Whitmer. That did nothing for me, but as a heel, the whole Hangman gimmick, it, it's kind of risky, but, you know, he, he pulls it off well, so I should, you know, this should be a good match. I expect him to go over. After that, for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, the Young Bucks taking on again, 
Let's say this together. Los and Golbernables uh, should be a great match. Again, another match with literally zero background behind it. Um, but I'm sure the two teams will have great chemistry. I've never seen them do battle in Ring of Honor, maybe in Japan. I have no idea. I'm, I don't pay close attention to the, to the Japan pro wrestling scene whatsoever. Um, but from an in-ring standpoint, this should be a good match. I've got the Young Bucks going over. They literally just won the belts back from the Hardy Boys over WrestleMania weekend, a super card of honor. So I'd be shocked if they dropped the belts this soon, um, especially to a tag team that's not Ring of Honor exclusive. So I've got the Young Bucks retaining their tag team titles. After that, Adam Cole and Hiroshi are... Uh, Hiroshi? Hiroshi Tanahashi. I, again, another name I cannot pronounce for the life of me, but... Another match that should be really, really good. Just zero background behind it. Um, just the match that was randomly announced for the show. Adam Cole, like I said with Leo Rush, like I said with Bobby Fish, I think is on his way out of Ring of Honor. He might resign. The whole thing with the Bullet Club, what really, what really frustrates me is that for a time anyway, coming out of that 15th anniversary show where he dropped the Ring of Honor world title, it looked like he was teasing tension with the Bullet Club, with the Young Bucks. Um, but they kind of somewhat reunited on this week's episode of Ring of Honor TV, helping uh, Cody win the tag team match main event against Daniels and Dalton Castle. So I'm not sure what the deal is there. Um, but regardless of what happens with the Bullet Club, again, if he does indeed leave Ring of Honor and he doesn't go to Japan, where I know they're doing the rematch between Okada and Omega, I think in July or June, whatever it might be, uh, which should be awesome. The first match was exceptional, obviously. But if they don't do... Um, if Cole does not go over to Japan, they're really missing the boat and not doing an Omega-Cole match. Now, I don't know if Ring of Honor would be able to do that anyway, considering the fact that Omega is not a uh, Ring of Honor talent, exclusively anyway. So I don't even know if they'd be able to do it regardless. But that's the real money match. And the Young Bucks were saying on an episode of Ring of Honor not too long ago, you know, uh, Kenny Omega is the real member, is the real founder, not the founder, but the real leader of the Bullet Club, not you, Adam, so... There's a match made in heaven right there. They didn't do it, uh, as, at least when Cole is a part of Ring of Honor. Again, he might resign. I'm not exactly sure. They could always go back to that match at some point down the road if Cole does indeed go to New Japan. We talked to Adam Cole right here on WrestleRant Radio back in December, and he had said even then that he wishes to go to Japan and at some point before going to you know the WWE. So I could see that being a possibility as well if they want to do that match, um, if he goes to Japan in the, near, in the near future. But as far as this match goes, I do assume he is out of Ring of Honor for right now anyway. And if that's the case, then he's definitely losing here, doing the honors on the way out. I mean, hell, he lost to friggin' Matt Taven. I love Matt Taven. We put him over huge on uh, hashtag AskGSM this week. But that being said, I mean, Matt Taven is not the next world champion. So the fact that Adam Cole would put over Matt Taven on his way out speaks volumes about Adam Cole and the fact that he's probably on his way out of Ring of Honor. So, yeah, that being said, I've got Tanahashi going over here in what should be a really, really good match. Adam Cole, in terms of what his future, what the future holds for him, I'd imagine, I mean, he, I do think he is WWE bound at some point. Um, maybe not in the very near future, maybe at some point down the road, like in the summer. I had heard something about not too long ago from Dave Meltzer that WWE was trying to hold off on signing anyone from Ring of Honor. No, Donovan Dijak was the guy they had their eyes on. Feast your eyes, no pun intended. That guy is great. Dijak would flourish in WWE NXT. The guy's got a great size and can go for a dude of, you know, his size for as being as big as he is. So maybe that's why they haven't signed him yet is because of the whole Ring of Honor WWE deal. Not that they're on bad terms or anything, but I think WWE is accused of poaching with contracts and whatever while they were still with Ring of Honor, so maybe they're holding off on that. 
I know something similar happened with TNA all those years ago, like five years ago or so. So Cole, I mean, I've heard rumors, like speculation, he could show up as soon as NXT TakeOver. I heard his last date with, I don't know if it's Ring of Honor or another company like PWG, um, which is, I think, May 19th, the day before TakeOver Chicago. So for him to do one last date that Saturday, then show up the next night, would not be out of the ordinary. I mean, the Hardy Boys did the same exact thing. They dropped the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles on a Saturday, showed up at WrestleMania the next day. So, I mean, it's not out of the ordinary for that to happen. So if Adam Cole did that, I mean, I'd be slightly shocked. Um, Not that I'm expecting it. I would be very, very happy to see anything bottom line. So we'll see. But I think whether it be this month, next month, next year, Adam Cole is honestly headed to WWE sooner rather than later. Uh, For the Ring of Honor World Television Championship, Marty Skrull taking on Matt Seidel, which should be, again, a great match. A match that has received build. Of all the matches on this card, a match that has received build on Ring of Honor TV in the past month or so. Um, Next to the main event, I'm looking forward to this match more than anything else. Skrull is a friggin' amazing talent. Like I've said before, if he never lets go of that Ring of Honor TV title, I would never complain. I would not complain. The guy is that fucking good. Um, I associate him with the team. I mean, obviously, because he's the current champion, but... And he's been champion only for really about, like, five months now or so, which isn't that long in Ring of Honor time anyway. I mean, you know, Jay Lethal held that friggin' title for a year and a half or whatever. But Skrull is so good. The guy is a star. His mic skills are awesome. He's very, very fun to watch in the ring. His character, he's got that down pat. And then Matt Seidel, the former Evan Bourne. I'm a big fan of him as well. Um, I, I don't think he's winning here. He's currently working dates for Impact or TNA for Impact Wrestling. So I doubt he would win here and do both companies. I don't know if he signed a TNA or what's the deal, what the deal is there. It's interesting. It's an interesting situation for him to be in right now. I think it's cool that Impact and Ring of Honor are semi-working together where they can have talent crisscross over, but I don't think they're going to have him win the championship here and then go to Impact Wrestling and wrestle over there. That'd be kind of weird. Uh, so Marty Skrull goes over en route to becoming the greatest TV champion in Ring of Honor history, in my opinion. And then we get to the main event, a triple threat match, a three-way dance for the Ring of Honor World Championship. The defending champion, Christopher Daniels, takes on Jay Lethal and Cody. Yes, just Cody, not Cody Rhodes, apparently. I'm looking forward to this match again next to the TV title match. I think this could be not only the best match in the show, but just I'm most excited for it. Just because, again, the build has been awesome on Ring of Honor TV. All three of these guys, I think above all else, what makes this match most exciting to me is that any one of these three guys could come out with the title intact. I think Daniels could retain. He just won the belt two months ago, almost exactly two months ago, back in March 10th um, at the 15th anniversary show. He's had a pretty cool, a pretty cool reign defending the title against you know Dalton Castle and all these other guys against Matt Taven just last night successfully. So that being said, um, I could totally see Daniels retaining here. G Lethal on the same token has been chasing that championship since he lost it back I think in August at the Death Before Dishonor show to Adam Cole, and he's been in chase mode. The only thing in his way was Cody Rhodes. Was Cody whatever? I'm gonna call him Cody Rhodes was Cody Rhodes, but then he kind of vanquished that demon at the Supercard of Honor show um, just back in April. And then Cody came out and said, you know what, I'm the best star here in Ring of Honor. I want that Ring of Honor world title. Daniel said, sure, so he just kind of gave him a shot without really even earning it. So Lethal and Cody have their issues. Uh, Cody in the main event, I think, is awesome. Cody is a future world champion, but he all said that five, ten years ago. Um, So I'd be shocked if he didn't wear that championship at some point in the near future. The thing is, I said it would be a lock that he wins here like previously in, in, you know, in past weeks. 
Looking back on it now, I'd be kind of surprised, honestly, if he won here, at least this soon. It's it's not that Daniels is bound to be champion forever. He's not destined to be Ring of Honor champion till the end of time, but I think Ring of Honor has done a title change with their world championship anyway on literally every pay-per-view for the past four or six months, for the past couple of months. The 13th or 15th anniversary show back in March is where Daniels initially won it. Before that, you had Final Battle, which is where uh, Kyle O'Reilly won the championship. The title did not change hands at the uh, anniversary show that we were at. The What was it? The 9th, 8th anniversary show um, back in September. I forgot what it was called. The one that Tommy, and I, that, that Tommy Sharp and I went to, which was an awesome show. The Extravaganza, whatever it was called. The All-Star Extravaganza show. The 8th annual installment of that event. Um, the title did not change hands there, but I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, like I said earlier, it did change hands at the Death Before Dishonor show with Cole and um, Lethal. So that's like three title changes within the matter of four pay-per-views. Five of you include this one, and the title could change hands here. I mean, you could have Cody pin Lethal and not pin Daniels to win the title. They can build to a Daniels-Cody one-on-one match down the road. But Cody's going to be there for a while. We still don't know what his deal is. He has said, he, and not him specifically, but it's been reported he has signed the Ring of Honor. He's, he's debunked that and said he hasn't signed the Ring of Honor. So we have no idea where he currently stands in terms of where he's signed to um, at the moment. But there's always time. Daniels could win here by pinning Jay Lethal, and you can build to Cody winning the belt down the road at the Best in the World show. Um, so I'm going to say Daniels retains. Again, I would not be shocked if either Lethal or Cody won. I'd be happy to see it. I'm really happy with whoever wins here, which is the example, the epitome of awesome booking, of beast booking, as John and I would call it, when you have a good outcome no matter who wins. Um, so I think Daniels wins here and retains the Ring of Honor World Championship. So those are my predictions for the Ring of Honor New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, War of the World show on Friday, May 12th. Again, hoping to watch it live. I'm really, really excited for it. These Ring of Honor shows always have me pumped. Like in the weeks leading up to it, I'm always in Ring of Honor mode, uh, watching all the Ring of Honor matches and getting pumped for the show, the weekly television show. And if you're not already watching it, I strongly recommend that you do. Um, it's on the Fight TV app. It's free every single Monday at 7 p.m. You can watch it on demand anytime in the week that it airs. So definitely check that out when you get the chance. Speaking of Monday nights, we'll talk briefly about Raw. Um, we got about, we're about 20 minutes in here. I'll speak um, my thoughts. I'll give my two cents on Raw Smacked and NXT. There's really not too much breaking news in the world of WWE and wrestling on the whole, at least from what I can remember. Oh, I will say this, though. Congratulations to Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella having their child just yesterday. I know it's like about a week later or something. I mean, they had the baby a week late. I'm not a week late in announcing my congratulations. Maybe 24 hours late, maybe, but... Yeah, no, congratulations to them. I, I read that yesterday. That's pretty great. So, anyway, let's get into Raw real quick. Um, I'll give my two cents and everything that happened before we go off the air. Again, pretty standard show here today on WrestleRant Radio. Opening the show is Dean Ambrose and The Miz battling over who had, I, I don't want to say custody, but who was the real authority figure on Monday night. Obviously planting the seeds for some sort of authority figure storyline with, with uh, Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon when she resurfaces, which is only inevitable, unfortunately. I just dread that day. I love Kurt Angle, but Stephanie just does nothing for me. Um, at this day and age, as an authority figure, I wish she would just stay off TV forever, at least as an authority figure, like I said. Being as prominent of a figure as she is um, in today's you know landscape of WWE. Anyway, so Miz and Ambrose kick off the show. They talk about who's running Raw, who the hell could possibly care. Braun Strowman comes out. He says he wants a match against Kalisto. Uh, Kalisto comes out, he says, or maybe it was Kalisto who said he wanted the match with him, and Strowman talks about Roman Reigns, 
They booked Kalisto versus Strowman for later on. Pretty lifeless segment. I just not the best way to kick off the show. The, the, the crowd on this show it emanated from the UK, from England. Pretty sure it was coming from the O2 in London, which is always an awesome crowd. I love the English crowds. Um, but just on this show specifically, and it was weird. It's not like oh, it was pre-taped, so therefore the crowd sucked, or they you know they edited it in in in, in post-production, whatever. I mean, the crowd on SmackDown was a lot better, so that's not the case. And we've had some awesome English crowds in the past. They just were not all that excited. Maybe it was a, it was a mix of them just not being a great crowd, and then the matches and, and just the show in general not being all that exciting. So maybe it was a combination of both. So anyway, kind of a lifeless opening segment. From there, we get Finn Balor versus The Miz. A pretty good match. I think Balor and Miz down the road would be a, um, a good feud. Speaking of which, I mean, here is one news item I did read this morning or yesterday or whatever. Uh, Roman Reigns and Finn Balor, or rather, Roman Reigns and The Miz. I'm looking at Finn Balor's name on my computer screen right now. Roman Reigns and The Miz is apparently a future feud that WWE might book. Um, actually, you know what? I'll save that for later on when we talk about the Strowman and Reigns attack and what happens to Roman now that Strowman is apparently out injured. So I'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, point being, The Miz is great in this role as a heel. Need, you know, kind of goes without saying. Balor and Miz, good match. Balor wins after Miz kind of walks out. Ambrose says, get back into the ring. Balor wins, so uh, good match there. After that, we had Alexa Bliss taking on Mickey James in non-title action. Decent match. I really was not paying attention when this happened. Um, why you would put two SmackDown, two former SmackDown stars against each other, I don't know. It hasn't been that long enough since the Superstar shakeup happened that it feels like a fresh match to get Bliss and Mickey. It's not like they had a million matches on SmackDown, but still, I thought it was kind of silly to go back to that feud so soon, or that storyline, whatever. Mickey's just not doing it right now for whatever reason. I mean, I'll probably write an article about this at some point in the near future, but and I was so happy when Mickey came back, and I'm glad she's still with the company. She's in the company, and she's you know working with the current talent from Alexa and Bailey and, and Charlotte and Mickey J and uh, and Sasha Banks and all the other current you know crop of talent in the women's division, which is probably the best it has ever been. So having Mickey James back in the field, back in you know back in the uh, back in the mix is awesome. That said, just creative has done her no you know has done her no favors. I mean. She's a great competitor. She's a great wrestler still. She's got an awesome look. She's still fucking hot as hell. But that being said, just creative has just done nothing for her. She was a heel at one point. She's a face now. Crowds just aren't reacting. I mean, she didn't get a great pop when she first came back um, on that SmackDown all those months ago. She did get a great reaction in Toronto. I take over Toronto last November about six months ago. Other than that, though, this recent run from Ricky James in WWE has been pretty lackluster. I'm not saying, oh, fire her now or whatever. I mean, there's still hope. She's still, again, she can still go. It's not like you're bringing back, you know, a, a 90-year-old Mae Young to have a, a full-fledged run in the WWE who has since passed away, obviously. But I don't know what they need to do to get her back on track. Maybe more character development. Like, I saw some video yesterday WWE put up on their YouTube channel with Mickey James talking about Mother's Day, like, air that kind of thing on Raw. We really have not heard too much from her. I mean, we, we kind of heard a little bit from her on Talking Smack before she came to Raw. Um, I don't know. It's just not clicking the way I thought it would. Again, it's not a bad decision to bring her back. I think she's awesome for the women's division on Raw and on SmackDown before she got sent to Monday nights. But so far, this run has not been lighting the world on fire, so hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. And she's just kind of working through the rough patch, you know, the rough patches before she kind of works out her character and finds her footing and, you know, as a modern-day, you know, character in today's WWE. So, a decent match. They furthered the feud between Alexa and Bailey, which was, all, you know, well done. 
Braun Strowman and Kalisto never really got started. The match did start, but Strowman, even with one hand, dominated Kalisto. The match never ended. Um, out came Roman Reigns, making his first Raw appearance in nearly a month um, since he, uh, got, he got attacked by uh, Braun Strowman on an episode of Raw about a month ago in the ambulance ambush, which was awesome. This attack, I thought was fine. I thought the, the furthering of the feud again between Roman and Braun was well done. As I alluded to earlier, it seems like, as first reported by... It might have been Pro Wrestling Sheet, and then it was pretty much solidified on Raw. Strowman is legitimately injured, and he didn't tear his rotator cuff, as WWE had said, but he does have lingering elbow issues. So it looks like he could be out anywhere from four to eight weeks, which is the current timetable for him to be out. He could still be on TV and not wrestle, but that pretty much puts the current main event, which was not announced or anything, but the seemed like it was pretty likely main event for Extreme Rules between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman in doubt. So what do you do with Roman Reigns now? Um, well, apparently, as I said earlier, it looks like that Roman Reigns will be put in a feud of The Miz at some point in the near future. So it looked like, from what the report said from Dave Meltzer, that Roman Reigns was always destined to feud with Miz no matter what, but it was supposed to be after Extreme Rules. So that might be an indication they have Miz win the belt on Monday, and then they do Reigns, and maybe they do Reigns, Ambrose, and Miz at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. I'm not sure. I, it did strike me as odd they were doing Ambrose and Miz on Raw this week without saving it for Extreme Rules. Now, maybe that's just a way to do a, a you know a, a non-finish and then set up some sort of Extreme Rules match because the pay-per-view is, <clears throat> you know, Extreme Rules after all. But at the same time, you know, they got to get Roman on the show in some capacity. He's not going to be off the show, God forbid. So maybe they put the belt on Miz on Monday. They do a triple threat. I don't know why Roman would have earned a title shot against the Miz. Finn Balor pinned the Miz. If anyone deserves a title shot, it's him. Or uh, no, not the Miz isn't currently champion. He isn't the current champion. Bray Wyatt is. Then Bray Wyatt pinned the champion in the main event, which we'll talk about momentarily. But yeah, it looks like we are getting Reigns and Miz as a future feud on Raw. Which honestly, I don't have a huge. You know, I I don't hate it. I don't hate that at all. I think it's a great use of Miz. I mean, I think we were all complaining when he first got sent to Raw in the Superstar Shakeup that he would, you know, flounder, he wouldn't do as well, which is true. I mean, if I had to choose, I would still have him on SmackDown as a main event guy. I think it's a lot less likely he wins a world title on Raw than he would have on SmackDown. That being said, though, he can still be put in prominent programs on Raw. I mean, Dean Ambrose isn't, you know, the, the top superstar on Raw, but in storyline, it kind of is. I mean, the absence of Brock Lesnar, and we have no idea who's getting the next title shot. I assume Brock's going to be back by July. Because he's already been announced by the company for the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view, which is still as atrocious now as it was when I first heard it two, three weeks ago. Um, so therefore, making the IC Championship the top title on Monday Night Raw, which we talked about last week here on WrestleRant Radio with, with Tommy and I. So that said, Miz is still in a pretty high-profile program with Ambrose at the moment. And then once he's done with Ambrose, you could take the title off Ambrose. I don't think anyone would really care. I honestly hope that Miz does win the belt from Ambrose. I like Ambrose a lot. He hasn't tarnish the championship in any way he hasn't tarnished the title but I think Miz is a far better champion we saw that last year when he was holding the championship a couple of times on Smackdown he's just a lot more I don't know he fits that role a lot better than than Ambrose does who is just far better in chase mode than he ever was as champion whether it be U.S. champion IC champion WWE champion Ambrose has always been better as a challenger than a champion so I would hope Miz wins the belt on Monday or extreme roles whenever I guess the idea was to put Reigns in the feud with Miz so Reigns can therefore win the IC Championship 
and then claimed before going after Brock Lesnar that the Universal Championship was the only title he has yet to win. Which is not a bad story when you really think about it. I mean, he has been U.S. Tag Team IC. Well, I mean, in this scenario, he will have been IC Champion and WWE Champion three times. It's not a bad storyline to do. I'm sure people are going to friggin' hate it. Um, but it gets Miz in a couple good matches. I think him and Reigns could work well together. They've had a couple good matches in the past. I mean, Miz has never won, obviously. It's fucking Roman Reigns. He's not going to be Roman clean, let alone dirty in the middle of the ring. But, um, you know, I don't hate it. I honestly don't hate the idea of a Miz and Reigns feud. We just talked about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, Miz and Ambrose, as well as they work together, as fun as they are as opponents, we've seen it multiple times on SmackDown. So I'm good at them moving past that beyond Monday and then transitioning into a Miz and Reigns feud. So I don't know if that would be the main event for Extreme Rules. I doubt it. It would come out of nowhere. Like, like I said, that would leave Ambrose off the show again after being off payback. So um, I would put him in a triple threat with Miz and Reigns. Or just do Ambrose and Miz again and then do Reigns and Miz after the pay-per-view. But um, yeah, like I said, I don't hate it. I think it's a pretty good use of Miz. And then with Reigns, you know, holding every champion. I mean... We all know how his U.S. title reign went. It could have been a lot better than it was. He just Not that he never defended it, but it was a complete afterthought on the shoulder of Roman Reigns. So I hope the IC title doesn't suffer a similar fate. I'm sure it will, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. But again, initial thoughts in the Miz-Reigns feud, I think it's going to be a good. I mean, I think it's going to be a good feud. I don't know how it's going to play out until we see it play out. I can't really judge it before it happens, but initial thoughts, I think it could be a good idea. I think it could be a good feud. From there, um, like I said, we had Reigns attacking Strowman, writing him out of television, assumingly, you know, presumably, for the foreseeable future. Tag Team Turmoil, I really, really liked. I thought the Tag Team Turmoil match was really, really good. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus won all of their matches, all of their mini-matches in the Tag Team Turmoil. They first beat um, Enzo and Cass in a good match. They then beat Heath Slater and Rhino pretty easily. They beat The Club. And then The Golden Truth. And I love the way this was laid out, like on paper, that's like, oh, why wouldn't they be The, the Golden Truth? But coming into this match at Payback, on Raw, on Raw this week, you know, Raw last week and Raw this week too, the Golden Truth were like, oh, we've never been tag team champions. This might be our last shot. So having them come out last after Cesaro and Sheamus went through three other tag teams made it look like they had a chance. And there were a couple of really good suspenseful spots. This was by far the best match in the entire show, like not even close. On the same, on the same show that had Rollins and Joe, which was a pretty good match, which we'll talk about in a moment. This was the best match in the show, in my opinion. Just based off the way that it was laid out, um, Cesaro and Sheamus did a great job of getting heat against the face tag teams. I thought this was really, really well done. So, they won. I've never seen the tag team turmoil. I don't think if No, yeah, American Alpha did not start out first in that tag team turmoil match at, uh, at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. They came out, like, in the middle. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a turmoil match won by a super... won by a tag team... From start to finish, where they started out and won the entire thing. So that was pretty cool. So the Hardy Boys came out afterwards. They did their thing, obviously, hugely over. Um, so I'm looking forward to that rematch at Extreme Rules. Like I said, Rollins and Joe having another match. They really should have advertised this in advance. They had a brawl in the middle of the show, building to a match later on. So again, the match was pretty good. I thought it was a bit better than their, extre- or than their payback match. Not great, though. They're just not clicking the way I thought they would. But again, they might be holding out for the big match at Extreme Rules. Whatever stipulation it might be, whether it be a submission match or I quit or whatever, uh, just a no-holds-barred match in general. So Joe got himself DQ'd intentionally. So I'm glad they did the non-finish. They didn't have Rollins beat Joe again clean. I thought this was good. Again, not amazing, but I thought the booking here was well done. TJP then beating Jack Gallagher in his native England. So I thought that was 
a pretty good way of allowing TJP to get heat. It was a decent match for the time they were given. Nothing amazing. I won't talk about 205 Live here today, but um, they did do a cool segment on the show with uh, TJP, Gallagher, Aries, and Neville. So it looks like we might be getting a four-way at the pay-per-view, which quite honestly might be the best thing for them. Uh, the triple threat at Roadblock between TJP, Swan, and Kendrick was just no one gave a shit about it. But these four guys, they all have some momentum. I mean, the rest of the division is just dead right now. The cruiserweights are just dead in the water, I hate to say. But these four guys at least have some semblance of, uh, you know, of some momentum. So having them collide in the four-way match might be great. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, hopefully. I mean, again, nothing's confirmed, but I assume that's where they're going with this, going into Extreme Rules. Uh, so good match there. We had Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox going one-on-one -on -one in a pretty forgettable match. No one really gave a shit at all. Lasted all of five minutes um, without commercials. I mean, Alicia Fox got her shoulder up. It looked like Sasha Banks did not win the match. The referee didn't see the shoulder up um, of Alicia Fox. So I assume that's leading to a rematch next week. Obviously, I mean, no one cared about this, but it's obviously just killing time before um, Sasha goes heel at some point after the Bliss and Bailey feud runs its course in the summer. And then we get to uh, hopefully Bailey and Banks at the SummerSlam pay-per-view with Banks as the heel. Main event, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose in a non-title main event. Good match. I've just never seen one Wyatt-Ambrose match that was great. Like, they're these, they have this weird type of chemistry where they work well together and their matches are good, but they've never been, like, amazing. Like, even their TLC match a few years ago, the ambulance match, the friggin' boot camp match from Tribute to the Troops in 2015 or 2014, whatever, they were all good, or I think it was the Christmas episode, not the Tribute to the Troops. Um, or maybe he did win a tribute to the troops. I don't know. They, I think they did have a match on that show. Whatever. But um, maybe, no, I think Ambrose did win that. Whatever. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure Ambrose won. But point being, Wyatt won a majority of their matches. And they're just not amazing matches. They're good, but not great. This was one of those encounters where it was all right, but not, like, exceptional. Miz attacked Ambrose afterwards, you know, building to next week's IC title match. Again, I would have that be the main event. The IC title is currently the top title from a storyline standpoint on Raw. Um, which is interesting considering the U.S. title over on SmackDown is being positioned as the top title on the blue brand, which is pretty cool. So yeah, overall, just not a great show. Um, it, it wasn't a bad show. There was more wrestling than usual. Um, we talked about it yesterday on Hashtag Tommy Nye. He said he enjoyed the show, kind of having a different... It was a refreshing change of pace, I will say that. Like, there was more in-ring action than usual. But just a lot of the matches, I just... Again, Banks and, and Fox, whatever. Like, I thought Tag Team Turmoil was great. Um, just overall, just not a great show. It was just kind of there. And obviously, the pre-taped aspect of it not being live, not having that live element doesn't help matters. But SmackDown was the same thing, and I thought it was a really good show. So speaking of SmackDown, we'll get into it right now. Kicking off the show, we had just this massive brawl between Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, and Baron Corbin going at it. Obviously setting up the main event for later on the night, the six-man tag team match. Uh, just a solid segment here, pretty paint by numbers. Typical WWE stuff with one person after another interrupting each other. Again, standard stuff. I thought it was all right. Uh, successful in setting up the main event for the evening. Natalia and Becky Lynch having a brief bout. Um, it, it was mostly consumed by a commercial break, but I thought it was a decent match from what we saw. You know, typical stuff from those two. Um, in terms of setting up the six-woman tag team match, they've done a good job of that. Charlotte, I have no idea what the hell she's supposed to be right now. She came across like a heel in the backstage segment, but I guess she's supposed to be a face, and I read something this morning that that was done by design because officials don't really know 
not that she can't flourish as a face, but I guess some officials felt it was too soon to turn her, which I agree. But can you have four heels and like on the division and then have two faces with just Becky and Naomi? But like, what is Lana supposed to be? I'm not really sure. So we'll see how that plays out. I don't really give a shit about the whole faction war thing between Becky, Charlotte, Naomi, and then the Welcome Committee, which is just a terrible name for uh, Tamina. Well, who is it? Tamina, Carmella, and Natalia. But it's been well. I mean, it's been well booked. I just can't really bring myself to care right now. After that, we had Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Um, a better match than expected. Not to say it was good. I thought it was decent. Um, it was all right. Eric Rowan won clean, which was shocking. They might be building to an Eric, uh, a Luke Harper heel turn. I haven't seen that anywhere, but I'm just anticipating that just because they have just a surplus of baby faces on SmackDown. I mean, look at the faces. Look at the ample amount of faces you have on SmackDown right now. You have Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, Mojo Raleigh, who's kind of a mid-card player right now, Luke Harper, John Cena when he gets back, Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, that's a lot of faces. Shinsuke Nakamura, too. So I'm sure they're going to turn one of them at some point. Um, it's probably going to be Luke. Maybe that's where they're heading with this. If they put the two back together as a tag team, I wouldn't hate it because I just could not care less about Eric Rowan on his own. Um, but this was whatever. I just was just appalled by the fact that Luke Harper lost clean. But hopefully this is all part of a bigger plan to either reunite the two. A feud but would be whatever. Like, I just couldn't really give a shit about, about a feud between the two. But you know what? If nothing else, it gets fucking Luke Harper on TV. And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. As long as he's on TV doing something meaningful – even if it's a, an undercard program with goddamn Eric Rowan, it gets him on TV. It's better than nothing. The next segment, with uh, Dolph Ziggler calling on Shinsuke Nakamura, I thought was actually really, really good. The feud has been really underwhelming for me as of late. Um, the promos, like Ziggler's promo last week, I just could not bring myself to care. The Jackson 5 references and all this other shit, like, who the hell could possibly care? Ziggler just, it feels like he's phoning it in right now, but the promo I cut this Tuesday, that was awesome. Him ripping into the fans, talking about how you don't appreciate me, and that's okay. Um, you're just all loving the, the the shiny new toy, and I've been here forever. Why aren't you showing me appreciation? And you're loving the guy, you're cheering the guy who hasn't even wrestled a match on SmackDown Live yet, which is true, but we all realize that Nakamura is just infinitely better than Ziggler. Um, so anyway, I thought this was great. I thought Nakamura played his role well. His mic work was kept short and sweet. The friggin' mouth guard, I don't know why they still have him wearing that thing. It's definitely a Vince call because they did not have him doing that in NXT. It just makes him a hell of a lot more, just a hell of a lot harder to understand him when he has the mouth guard in his mouth. But I thought this was good. Again, a strong segment. They officially announced the match for, they teased the match here before officially announcing it for Backlash. So I'm looking forward to that. They should have just a great match if they're allowed to go all out. They've been working dark matches for months now, for about a, a little over a month now. Brazongo beating the Ascension after a fashion file segment earlier in the evening, which I thought was good. Um, you guys asked my thoughts on that in hashtag last week. It, the comedy might not be for everybody, but you know what? At least it's an attempt to get these guys over. Like they were over in England because the whole fandangoing thing, so I understand that, uh, which was cool. But you know what? At least they're trying to get these guys over because currently they had no momentum. They were never on the fucking show. They didn't have a wind of their name for the most part, before becoming the number one contenders, you might as well give them the victory. You might as well, you know, at least try to build these guys up as somewhat of a threat to the titles. The Usos killed it afterwards on the microphone, cutting this awesome promo that made literally no sense, but I feel like it was awesome. Like, the Bray Wyatt, I mean, if they lose, if they if they do these promos and lose like Bray Wyatt, then they'll kind of lose their uh, cool factor and effect after a while. 
but the promos, the, the Usos have these, have this just this great Briscoes vibe about them right now, where they come across like the Briscoes from Ring of Honor, Jay and Mark Briscoe. This wild, you know, wild card, I guess, might be the best way to describe these guys. They're just off the, just off the hinge, just whatever, um, just off the charts. You don't really know what to expect from them. They're kind of crazy. They're just saying all this random shit. It doesn't make any sense, but it sounds cool. So that's where the Usos are at right now. I think they've just been doing great job. They've just been doing this awesome job as tag team champions, especially as heels in recent months. And then the main event I thought was really good. A six-man tag team match, Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, and Baron Corbin beating Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn after Mahal pinned Orton clean. I didn't see that coming. I thought Orton would win by pinning like Baron Corbin or something. But no, they had Mahal pin Orton clean, which I thought was great. I said it a couple of months ago, or a couple of weeks ago, rather, in an article. I said, uh, you know, I gave five ways that they could build up Jinder Mahal as a legitimate threat to the title. And they really have. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win. Uh, Tommy is determined that Mahal will win, not because he wants to see him win, but because he feels like he will. And it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, not only the whole Indian market thing, but Orton is champion. I said last week in an article for Bleacher Report, is absolutely nothing for me as champion. He is not compelling at all. He's not intriguing. There's nothing interesting about the guy. He's he's about as interesting as watching grass grow when he's WWE champion as a face. At least right now, anyway. Just it's he's not doing himself any favors with the boring promos and lack of character evolution. No pun intended. So Mahal winning when honestly might not be the worst thing. We'll see how it goes at Backlash next Sunday. We'll be doing a full preview and prediction show on WrestleRant Radio next week. Um, but no, a good main event. Closing off, I thought was a pretty good episode of SmackDown. Not as great as we have seen from SmackDown in the past. But I thought the main event was good. The character development for Brazongo I thought was well done. Uh, Nakamura and Ziggler having a really strong segment. Rowan and Harper was friggin' whatever. I could not give two shits about that. But uh, Natalia and Becky Lynch having a decent match as well. And then in the opening segment, setting up the main event, I thought was good too. So I can't really complain that SmackDown delivered a pretty good show this week. Hopefully they can deliver a strong go-home show next week before the pay-per-view on Sunday. So before we go off the air, we got about 15 minutes left before we hit the top of the hour. I'll briefly talk about NXT from last night. We don't have too much time to talk about NXT usually here on the show. We're talking too much about Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views and stuff, which is awesome. Um, but for a show, I mean, Tommy and I talked all about NXT last year, so to kind of go from talking about NXT all the time to not talking about it at all is a bit of a, you know, a big change. So I wanted to allude to it here. I mean, NXT, I think, has been doing just, it's been a lot of fun to watch since, uh, right after WrestleMania with the influx of talent from Aleister Black to Drew McIntyre, Ruby Riot, um, Hideo Tommy coming back, you got, uh, Bobby Roode as the, uh, new, and I mean, he's not new, he's been champion for like four or five months now, three, four months now. But uh, he's been doing a great job as NXT champion. So the shows have been better. The shows have been a lot more entertaining to watch. And if you're not a squash match fan, these shows might not be for you. But that's what NXT is all about, people. It's a freaking developmental system. They need to get people over. So that's why they need to do matches like this. But anyway, kicking off the show, you had uh, Aleister Black making short work of, uh, uh, bear with me here, Cesar Bonini. I don't know how they pronounce it on the show. Uh, Cesar didn't look... Not Cesaro, Cesar, or Caesar, I guess. I, Cesar. Uh, Caesar did not look too great here, but Black is fucking awesome. Aleister Black is incredible. Like, we talk all the time, like, oh, this guy should be in the main roster right now. And it's not one of those things, like, with Shinsuke Nakamura, like, you need to find a place for him. Um, I know WWE put this picture up on their fucking, I don't know, their social media or whatever. 
of a like a picture of Neville watching Alistair Black from afar. I don't know if it would subtly like intentionally planted the seeds for a future feud. They had an awesome match at the UK tourney. I think it was part two back in January. Honestly, if they put Tommy in, now known as Alistair Black in the 205 Live Cruiserweight division, I wouldn't complain. But at the same time, I was listening to a clip from Wrestling Observer, uh, the Wrestling Observer Live, whatever it's called, uh, Dave Melter show with uh, Brian Alvarez. And they were talking about how the Cruiserweight division has this stigma, this stench. Like we talk all about, you know, all the time, RJ and I, we, we joke all the time about the TNA stench. 205 Live honestly has a stench about it. Like, Aries and Neville are having these great matches. And even there's pretty good matches on 205 Live, but no one can give two shits because they know it's a cruiserweight. And they're like, oh, we know this doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it's not important. It just, no one really cares right now. So maybe bringing this guy up to 205 Live would be the wrong move. But either way, bringing him up to, like, the main roster is almost a given. Like, if Aleister Black got called up tomorrow, I don't know if anyone would complain. And I don't know if it's necessary, like... I've seen people say like, "Oh no, no, no! Don't make the same mistake with Crew with, with with Black that you did with uh with Apollo Cruz." But, but Apollo Cruz didn't really have a character though. Like Black does. He's got this enigmatic, badass vibe, persona, aura about him. It's like this guy's fucking cool. Like you take notice about him, and his in-ring repertoire is awesome. And so is Apollo Cruz. He's a great wrestler too. But just we know nothing about the guy, so who could possibly care? But with Black though, he's ready. He's ready. Like, Drew McIntyre's ready, too, but I think he should be in NXT until he wins the NXT championship, probably from Bobby Roode at, uh, at Brooklyn, Brooklyn 3 in August, which I do want to go to again. I've been to the last two shows, but I was at WrestleMania. That took a dent in my bank account, so we'll see if I can go. I would love to. But anyway, um, McIntyre's probably going to be there for a while, as he probably should. If, they got, if he got brought up to Raw or SmackDown right now, he'd probably fucking be lost in the shuffle. Blackstow just is a different, I don't know. He's just a different kind of cat. So, um, if he got called up tomorrow, I honestly wouldn't complain. He would do really well if Aries does not win. I could see a scenario where Aries doesn't win the belt at Extreme Rules. I'd be kind of surprised. But if he doesn't win, then you know Black's coming up, like ASAP, because Black would be the one to throw Neville as champion. And those guys would have great matches. Because we know that, we again, like we saw them go up against each other at the UK show, uh, the UK tourney back in January, the part two of the tournament. And they had an awesome match. Um, and Black is just, he can captivate a crowd with his entrance, with his entering repertoire, his character, whatever that's supposed to be. We don't really know too much about him, but that's the whole point, though. Well, like, he, he's an enigmatic fellow. Like, that's why I like about Black. So, again, Black on the main roster might be a given. I know I read a report about that. Like, officials are really high on the guy. He might be main roster bound before long. And it's hard to argue. The guy's awesome. After that, we had DIY taking on Tino Sabatelli and Rick Moss. Decent match for as long as it lasted. DIY picking up the victory to reestablish themselves as credible challengers to the NXT Tag Team titles. Um, after that, you had William Regal coming out, or they said they wanted the Tag Team title shot. Regal comes out and says they will get one more match against Authors of Pain at TakeOver Chicago. Um, again, 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 against Authors of Pain in a ladder match. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. We've only seen two ladder matches in NXT before, one being at Arrival in February 2014 with Neville and Bo Dallas, the premier NXT live special. And then another one, which I thought was better, between Balor and Owens in TakeOver Brooklyn 1, uh, which I was there for uh, back in August 2015. So the third ever ladder match in NXT history. These guys are going to fucking kill it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Authors of Pain, they're really not as bad as some people make them out to be. And if they're in there with a good team, they can be really, really good. 
Like their match with TM61 back in November was good. The matches they've had with Revival and with DIY have, with DIY have been awesome. So I look forward to what should be just an amazing ladder match in, in Chicago. Honestly, if they wanted to close the show with that, that might be the biggest tag team title match they could do right now. That might be the match you go with to close out the show, honestly. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I would not complain about having their first ever NXT tag team title main event at TakeOver Chicago. But this was good, though, between DIY, Tino Sabatelli, and Rick Moss. Sabatelli's got a ton of potential. I've said that before. Uh, the guy's got a really good look. He's coming along really well compared to where he was when Breaking Ground first aired on the network about a year and a half ago. Um, the guy's got just money written all over him. Ruby Riot, um, we had a brief video package with her talking about her desire to become NXT Women's Champion. We had a brief, bizarre interview backstage with uh, Nikki Cross talking about where's Ruby Riot, where's Asuka, I want the NXT Women's title, blah, blah, blah. Again, they're building up the belt pretty well, considering the fact that Ember Moon has been hurt. Um, I forgot to mention that, but she she was hurt legitimately um, in being attacked by Asuka last week on the episode of NXT. Um, when she was fucking darted out of the ring, shoulder first into the uh, barricade. She looked like she was fucked up big time and uh, obviously hurt. And it was announced by WWE.com on Monday that she is officially not cleared to compete in Chicago. She's taken out of the match. And at TakeOver Chicago, it will be Asuka, Ember, not Ember Moon, excuse me. Ember, uh, no, not Ember Moon. Asuka, Nikki Cross, and Ruby Riot for the NXT Women's Championship. So again, that should be a great match. But like I said in an article for Hidden Remote on Wednesday, Ember Moon getting hurt might be a blessing in disguise. This might be exactly what her character needed to kind of feel like she's fighting from underneath. She's on a road to recovery and route to become the first person to dethrone Asuka as NXT Women's Champion. And plus, we've already seen a four-way NXT Women's title match. Like literally two, three months ago, a takeover uh, San Antonio in January. Just two takeovers ago that we have one. So I'm glad we're getting a triple threat this time, which I don't know if we've ever had a triple threat match. For the NXT Women's title. I know we've had, you know, four ways before. I don't think we've ever had a triple threat. I might be wrong on that, but well, I guess we'll soon see. And I guess they would bring it up if it is the first ever triple threat for the NXT Women's title. I guess we'd find out in um, in Chicago next week. So yeah, we got a great build for that bout. In the main event, we had Hideo Tommy taking on Roderick Strong with the winner challenging Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship at TakeOver Chicago next Saturday. Great match. Really, really good main event on the show. Hideo Tommy winning. Um, they got a ton of time. Strong looked good here. I thought he honestly looked better than Atami. Atami's also been doing really, 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 really well, showing no signs of ring rust since coming back from injury. But uh, yeah, this was an awesome main event. You did not see it on the broadcast. They put it up on the YouTube channel afterwards. It was on Twitter and shit on the website. Um, but after the show went off the air, Sanity attacked Roderick Strong. So I'm assuming they set up Strong and Eric Young one-on-one -on -one for TakeOver. But then I've seen someone else's card, um, you know, like a rumored card or what other matches they would add. I know we have Andrade Cien Almas taking on Cassius Ono next week, as well as Drew McIntyre and uh, not Buddy Murphy, the other one, Wesley Blake. Kind of shocked, honestly, that Black McIntyre and um, and Black McIntyre and who is who else did I just say? Andra and Cassius Ono are not part of the card. That's kind of surprising right now. But uh, maybe we get one of those rematches at TakeOver the following week. But, uh, yeah, that being said, I, uh, what I was trying to get at was that instead of doing Strong and Young, maybe you do, because Strong still has unfinished business with Sanity, as does Ono, as does No Way Jose. So with Dillinger on the main roster and uh, Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross doing their thing, maybe you just do a six-man tag team match. Sanity versus Eric Young, 
Um, <laughs> versus one of their own members. Uh, Sanity versus uh, Roderick Strong, No Way Jose, and uh, Cassius Ono. I heard Alexander, not Alexander Wolf, the other one, Sawyer Fulton, was recently cleared to compete. He came back in the NXT Live event just recently. So maybe that's where he makes his big return and helping Sanity win. Because Sanity has been pretty well protected for the most part since they first formed their faction late last year. The only real match they've lost was Dillinger and Young in the Steel Cage match on NXT a couple of weeks ago. Other than that, Sanity's been pretty well protected, so I could see them winning that six-man tag team match as well. But Strong, I've said it before in hashtag, but the video packages are just in general and reviews and shit. The video packages and the vignettes, they've been playing for him on NXT, promoting him as a family man and his background, his upbringing, his time in Ring of Honor, and why he wants to win the NXT championship, why he was destined, destined to become a champion have been fucking amazing. They're awesome. It was by far the best thing they could have done for this guy. Um, so I'm really happy to see that. I'm hoping they do more of that kind of stuff. We kind of saw with Ruby Riot on this show, but I'm hoping they do more of that kind of stuff in the future. Because Strong's a great talent. I've said that since day one. Um, I've been a big fan of his even before he showed up in NXT, even in Ring of Honor, for as long as I've been watching ROH for the past three years. Uh, Strong is a standout talent. I don't know if he's going to be the one to dethrone Bobby Roode for the NXT title. Again, I think that might be McIntyre in Brooklyn. But he had a great showing here. I really hope they continue along this path. Uh, the crowd wasn't like red hot for the guy, but I assume it's because they haven't, they didn't air those vignettes, like the the two part series on Strong, in front of the live crowd. I don't think they they see that type of stuff, unless they want the live crowd to see it. So I don't think they saw it. Um, but I have heard that he's getting better reactions at the NXT live shows, which is awesome. So yeah, Tommy won here. He will be challenging Bobby Roode for the title at NXT TakeOver Chicago. Uh, quick predictions. I'll be probably doing an article before next week, um, but we probably won't have time to talk about it on next week's mega super show with Tommy, our last one here at Endicott College Campus. I'm going to say Bobby Roode wins, retains the title. I think DIY will win the ladder match. Therefore, you know the authors of pain are not getting pinned. So yeah, DIY is still the, or rather the new tag team champions. I think Asuka retains the NXT Women's Championship against Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot in the Triple Threat match. Uh, the United Kingdom Championship, which was also showcased on this show, uh, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate weren't on the show in person, but they did air video packages talking about both men, which is pretty cool. So I look forward to that match. They had a great match in the finals of the tournament back in January, so I look forward to a tournament rematch in the finals of that you know, of the tournament between uh, Bate and Dunne in TakeOver Chicago. I think Dunne's winning. Um, he should have won the first time. Bates, Bates, great. They're all great. All the UK talents are great. But Dunn is a money fucking heel. That guy is a fucking money heel. So put the belt on him in Chicago. And then for right now, those are my predictions. And if they have Sanity versus Strong, No Way Jose, and uh, Cassius Ono, I think Sanity wins. So that does it, guys. That's about it. I think we timed it just about perfectly uh, with, with just about a minute left until we hit the top of the hour here on WrestleRant Radio. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. Next week, I will be back with Tommy Sharp talking all things Raw and SmackDown and most importantly, Backlash before next Sunday. Again, we might not have enough time to talk about NXT TakeOver Chicago, which is why I just did my predictions here. Um, but yeah, the last show in Endicott College campus history of WrestleRant Radio right here in the radio room. It's going to be a history-making uh, tearjerker of an episode next week right here on the show, so do not miss it as it airs on NextAirWrestling.net. Really, truly, the end of an era on WrestleRant Radio. Of course, the, the show will continue in podcast form, as it always has been for the past couple of years, uh, right here on NextAirWrestling.net with yours truly. Um, speaking of such, you guys can catch me on the socials on Twitter, at WrestleRant. You can find me 
on the Facebook at facebook.com backslash Graham Digestion Matthews. On YouTube, first and foremost, uh, YouTube, I'm huge there at youtube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Videos going up pretty much every day of the week. And like I said earlier, new episodes of Wrestle Rant Radio coming to you every single Thursday right here on the show. So uh, right here on the website, rather. So check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday next week. I can't, you know, promote it enough. Me and Tabi Sharp coming to you live one last time on Endicott College campus and EC Radio History. It's going to be a big show. It's going to be a blockbuster episode, so do not miss it as we break down the card for Backlash next Sunday. Until then, guys, I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Have an awesome friggin' week, and I'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>